those leaders who are terrible leaders, I find, and I certainly have learned that most of the time they're not trying to be a terrible leader. They just don't know any other way, which is why I was failing as a leader. I didn't know any other way. So it comes down to the very best leaders I ever worked with are those leaders who I would do anything for. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, formerly known as Improv is No Joke, where it's all about believing that strong communication skills are the best way in delivering your technical accounting knowledge and growing your business. An effective way of building stronger communication skills is by embracing the principles of applied improvisation. Your host is Peter Margarita, CPA, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant, and he will interview financial professionals and business leaders to find their secret in building stronger relationships with their clients, customers, associates, and peers, all the while growing their businesses. So let's start the show. When you hear the words authentic leader, what is your first thought? Who do you picture? What is the definition of an authentic leader? How does one become an authentic leader? And what are some of the characteristics of an authentic leader? Well, my guest, Christopher Jones, will answer those questions and more during our interview. Christopher speaks, coaches, and advises leaders to become the leader others want to follow. In short, authentic leaders. Over the past 30 years, Christopher has held leadership development positions and consulted leadership teams at world headquarters of Fortune 500 companies in multiple industries, including information technology and advanced education, as well as leading nonprofit executive boards through capital fundraising campaigns. He also hosts the Authentic Leader Show podcast, where he interviews CEOs, executive directors, and occasional celebrities. He goes deep with his guests into their journeys of leadership and personal effectiveness. Christopher has served on the boards of the Richmond Christian Leadership Initiative and the Chesterfield County Chamber of Commerce. And in 2017, Christopher was named the Chesterfield Chamber of Commerce Member of the Year. I hope you enjoy this episode, but before we get to the interview, let me take care of some housekeeping issues. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a high-content and engaging speaker for your next conference? Do you want to deliver a story to stakeholders that will transform data dumping to engaging business conversations? Do you want to feel that the value a speaker provides your audience far exceeds the dollar value on their invoice? Then book Peter for your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Contact Peter at peter at petermargaritas.com and visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com. By the way, one of his Fortune 50 clients actually made the comment about the value he brings to your audience. I have put in the show notes the various ways you can connect with Christopher through social media, along with a link to his podcast, The Authentic Leader Show. Now, let's get to the interview with Christopher Jones. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm real excited about my guest today because, I mean, 
we go back, I think now, a very long period of time of probably three, maybe four months now. <laughs> yeah, we go back months. We really do. <laughs> months, months and months. Months, months and months. And, and, and that is the voice of Chris Jones, who is a... A man of many talents. I'll just start off with that. A man of many talents. He is, uh, 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 first and foremost, a leadership person. He understands, trains, helps, promotes one's leadership to take that leadership to that next level. He offers a variety of services around that. He's also in that in those services are coaching. He's also a podcast host and a speaker. So let's put two and two together. Yes, I was on his podcast, the Authentic Leader Podcast Show. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did, the Authentic Leader Podcast Show, and you were a fantastic <laughs> guest, I must say. Uh, that's another twenty dollars I have to give to Chris. Jeez, <laughs> <I'll take laughs> <I'll be> broke. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, and, and we met at my very first. NSA chapter event, and I, I came to the Virginia chapter and did a program on improv to improve your speaking business. We got into a conversation afterwards, so I had a blast on his, so he set the bar high. Hopefully, he has a blast on mine. And Chris, thank you so much for taking time to spend some time with me and my audience on this podcast. Well, it's an honor to just spend some time with you. Every time I talk with you, I have fun. So I'm expecting to have fun today. And if people can learn something at the same time, even better. Even better, exactly. And for those of you who are listening, you if you want to visit the uh, my YouTube channel, I'll be posting on social media a raw, un, uh, unedited version of this video out there. Because so, you need to take a look at Chris's office. <laughs> and the, the the most unique thing in his office right now, as I'm looking at, he has one of those very old, very very old telephones. And I'm not talking like a flip phone. I'm talking a phone that they used back in what the 1920s. Uh, yeah, or even earlier. I I, I can't. I, I looked it up one time. It was like 1915 or 1919, something like that. It's a very old phone my grandpa gave me. And I it's. it's I can't remember the last time I saw such a cool phone, and that, that's such a great piece to hang on, hang on the wall. That, that that's that's really cool. Yeah. So, Chris, tell us about your business. Tell us about what you do and, and how you have an impact uh, on other people through your leadership programs. Yeah. Well, it all goes back to uh, the story I tell when I very first became what I call a title leader, um, and a, a title leader I call a leader who. Like in your title is an expectation that you're leading a team. So I think people kind of get what, what that is. But I had my very first team and I was leading and I failed miserably. <laughs> I mean, it was very different on the other side of leadership than it was before you get into leadership. I remember thinking before I was you know, formally a title leader, how hard can this leadership thing be? And I've worked for some great leaders. I've worked some, for some really terrible leaders and I just didn't get it. Those who were great leaders, they made it look really easy. And those who were terrible, it's almost like they were trying to be a bad leader, <laughs> right? I, I think yeah. most people can appreciate that or probably maybe they work for the same boss as me. <laughs> and it frustrated me because then once I became this title leader, I started to realize actually leadership is much more difficult than what it looks like on the surface. And those leaders who were really good and looked natural, they had to become that leader. It, leadership is rarely just natural. You have to become uh, a natural leader. And 
those leaders who are terrible leaders, I find, and I certainly have learned that most of the time they're not trying to be a terrible leader. They just don't know any other way, which is why I was failing as a leader. I didn't know any other way. So it comes down to the very best leaders I ever worked with are those leaders who I would do anything for, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we probably have all had leaders like that. The first leader I ever worked for um, was a pool manager at the life where I used to lifeguard. And um, he was just one of those where you would just do anything for him because he was doing all the crappy work too. And when Mm -hmm. he'd ask you to go clean some toilets, well, yeah, we all just jumped on it because he wasn't asking us to do something he wasn't willing to do himself. And, and it took me about a year once I started this business to come up with this concept. It's like, gosh, he's just leading so authentically. Wait a second. <laughs> it's, it's, he's being an authentic leader. And ever since then, it's just his stuck. And I, I, I'm just, I'm so proud, I guess, of coming up with that concept uh, and then for people to really kind of get what that means. So uh, I'm not sure if I totally answered your question, but it's kind of like the early days of how it came about. Right, and you did, but you said something uh, very key right at the beginning of that. You failed as a leader, yeah. and, and then you went on to say, basically, listening to your story, you were promoted without having any leadership training or any leadership, you know, anybody teaching you. It's it, oh, you, you've got the technical stuff, you got this other stuff done. You'll be fine. You'll learn that on the job, but that doesn't fly anymore. No. I see so many uh, people promoted to a leadership role because they were fantastic contributors, right? They cr- created great results. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, if they're great at you know, producing results, they're going to be great as a leader too. No, no, not necessarily. Uh, the biggest thing I, with my leadership clients is if they're getting ready to promote someone, like, please just talk to me first, right? So that we can make sure that we set up this person you're getting ready to promote up for success. We want them to be successful in this new role. And many times they are not set up for success. Right. The old Peter Drucker, the Peter principle, we're going to promote you to your level of incompetence. Yeah, right. <laughs> We've seen it too often. That's, it's a shame. That's where, my, where my, my passion is, is I want to help others to avoid what I had to go through. So thinking about that, can you give me an example of God, I wish I'd have known this before I got it. I was promoted into this role. What what skill set that that was lacking at the time that you got? God, I wish somebody would have just taken me aside and said this. Sure. Well, you know what I did realize. Um, I talk about this thing called the seven disciplines of authentic leaders. The very first of those seven disciplines is self leadership, and I think this is something you can do whether you're in a formal leadership or title leader role or not. I wish I would have been better at leading myself well before I became a leader. And what that means is just getting really clear about my aspirations. Where is it that I see myself going and how might I get there? Uh, being clear with identifying goals, writing them down, and then actually achieving those goals. Uh, but also just you know having discipline in my day, having discipline about how I conduct myself uh, one of the most powerful things I think that leaders and really um, non-title leaders alike, anyone can do, is to not only follow through on commitments that you make to other people consistently, be known for that, but additionally, do the things, follow through on commitments that you make to yourself, especially when no one knows. Mm. Because I'm sure as you're thinking of leaders who you admire and you think that they are just fantastic leaders, you're probably also thinking there's something about them that just makes them so attractive. 
And what, what it typically is, what I've found is that they're making commitments to themselves and they're following through on those commitments. And then again, especially when no one knows they're doing it, because you can just tell there's an aura around those kinds of people. So I think that's a secret weapon. You said aura around those people. And it just, you know what just popped into my head? When you said there's an aura around these people, I said they're authentic. And that's why you saw me jerk back when, yeah, that aura, that, you know, they're being extremely authentic in their leadership style. So, so you mentioned the, the the seven disciplines. Yeah. So you've hit you've hit on the first one. Yeah. Let's go down this path. What, what, what's number two? Okay. Well, number <laughs> two, and, and many of these are not going to be a surprise to people, but I found that if you stitch these together, you're again you're set up for success. I okay. think as a leader. Uh, so it's it's your vision or mission or what I really call like your leadership statement. Just being clear about the type of leader you aspire to be, getting clear about what does that statement look like, almost really painting a, a clear picture. Once you get there, here's what it looks like to be that type of leader. Um, so that's number two. Number three are, are goals. You're very clear about your goals, but you're also very effective at helping your team identify their personal goals, mm-hmm. personal and professional, I should say, and then setting them up for success to actually achieving those goals, giving them opportunities, giving them experiences that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. Also, they're very good. Uh, authentic leaders are very good at number four, which is decision-making, um, making effective decisions, but making appropriate decisions. Many times those decisions are need to be made by the people on your team and knowing how to appropriately help them to make their own decisions because that's, that's really the epitome, right? Is you want your teams making their own autonomous decisions on their own without needing you to be involved with every decision. Um, right. So that's number four. Number five is communication. Uh, authentic leaders, they're effective communicators. I find that most teams rarely complain about the leader over communicating. And if, you, <laughs> right? and if your yeah. team is complaining about you over communicating, then you're probably right about on mark. Right. And I'll right. go a little further. I communicate even a few more times. Right. So that's number five. Six is they're very effective at delegation and accountability. They're, they have a methodology and an approach to consistently and appropriately delegate. But additionally, to hold people accountable to doing the things that they've been assigned or that they have accepted in a way that is not confrontational. Too many people will avoid delegating work or they'll avoid holding people accountable because they want to avoid the confrontation that goes along with it. When done right, you can actually avoid that confrontation, but hold people accountable. I think your team, they want to be held accountable. They want to be, to receive delegated work, mm. and when done in the right way, man, you've got a team that again they want to follow you. Uh, and then the last one of these seven disciplines is number seven, which is it's all about relationships. Uh, it's a very high priority for authentic leaders to have relationships with everyone they're working with, but especially their team, and to do that through one-on-one meetings, having dedicated, scheduled, recurring time one-on-one with each member of their team to learn about things they could not learn otherwise if they didn't have these one-on-one meetings. So I've asked leaders uh, about their teams and I go, do you know their birthdays? Yeah. And eight, maybe seven out of 10 go, no, why? Well, don't you want people to know your birthday? Do, do, you, do you say like happy birthday to them? 
just that little, I mean, you are getting to know them. I mean, if they're part of the team and, and help to build that level of trust and cohesiveness, we have to learn more about the people that are on our, we spend more time with them than we do with our families. Right. And you know, it's not one of those things where you can just go out, okay, go find out everybody's birthday, right? Because right. that would actually be inauthentic. I'm right. going and I'm checking this off because I know I right. need to go to everybody's right. birthday. No, it's having those regular recurring times when you're meeting one-on-one in time. You're going to learn that because you are, and not to, to plug, I mean, to, you're authentically having conversations with them. And those things you need to know about your team, they will come to the surface at the right time without it being forced. Right. It's well, it goes to the relationship. What type of relationship are you building with your team? And and I'm just taking even further your stakeholders. Sure, it's all about relationships. Yeah, you better embrace your team because if you didn't have the team, they wouldn't need you, (laughs) right? Your your job is to lead your team, but. They, you better you better really appreciate them because the the results that they produce is a direct result of how you lead them. And appreciation goes. There's so many ways of giving appreciation as a boss, as a leader, and even comes from the tone of your voice. Oh yeah, you know if it's real, right? And you know, I was raised by an Olympic yeller. My father could have been a multi-gold medal yelling. Ah, he was athlete. He was outstanding. So I'm trying to break some of those habits because don't want to, nobody uh, gravitates to yelling. Mm-hmm. No one, right, yeah. kids, adults. No, it's just okay. Uh, oh, I'm, you made a mistake. Okay, so let's fix it. How are you going to fix it? What are we going to do? What do we learn? And let's move forward. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's your job to create that environment. Right. And that's not, again, something you do overnight. Over time, you create that environment where it's safe to make mistakes. And as you said, to, let's learn from this so that we can now prevent it from happening in the, in the future. Nothing wrong with making mistakes. The very unfortunate thing about life is that the very best way to learn is to make mistakes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wish that wasn't the case. And believe me, I am a master black belt in making mistakes. <laughs> I'm really good at that. So I'm, I'm very... I'm a genius. <laughs> oh my God, that was hilarious. That was so funny. Thank you so very much. I mean, oh, I, I to make Peter Margaritas laugh. Now that is uh, something. That I'm was, put that on my wall. Oh my God, that was even no. That was more than a laugh. I, I, I have a slight tear coming out of my eyes. I was laughing so hard because I wasn't expecting Master Black Belt. Boom. Yeah, M- making mistakes. That was yeah. But you know, unfortunately, in today's workforce. The most, a lot of cultures are, well, it's punitive if you make a mistake. Oh, yeah. It's risk averse culture. It's so dangerous. And I'll tell you a quick story, actually. I, uh, I had done some um, executive coaching at nuclear power plants for a period of time. So I was traveling to nuclear power plants and doing face to face executive coaching. And one of the problems with one of the plants we were working with is that they had a risk adverse culture so much that they, they were not getting anything done. Like it's, I'm too afraid to stick my neck out and to do something needs to be done because if I make a mistake, man, the hammer is going to come down hard on me. And they were not making progress. They were not moving forward because they had too much of a risk averse culture. Now you can imagine that's a very hard balance at a nuclear plant. I mean, you've got to be safe. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. 
Right. Uh, but not to the detriment of uh, growing the business and, and growing the culture so that um, you, so you can learning from these mistakes. You, it's a low risk mistakes are okay. So that behavior had been learned at some point in time by, by someone that I made this mistake. I took a risk. I made a mistake and it was very punitive. And as that leader would probably go into their team, no, 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 don't make that. Don't, don't do that. They're not allowing them. Don't go up those ladders or whatever because something bad is going to happen. And it just resonates. And now it creates its own little subculture within the organization. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's be honest here. Those types of cultures and those, um, that type of mindset, it all comes from the top. There's no other place. The responsibility for that, for that type of culture is from the top. Yes. And it's the wrong culture to have. I get, I get about being safe. Uh, and recently, I was at a uh, company that supplies um, some of the stuff to nuclear power plants and, and builds these things. And they have a very safe environment, but they are not all risk adverse. They're allowed to take risks. They're allowed to lean into those things. So... It just and it also empowers and inspires new ideas. Sure. And right now, that's the key in leadership is the ability. Because I've said this before on this podcast, and I may have said it on yours that the collective knowledge outside of your office far exceeds the collective knowledge inside your office. Mm, true. So, how well are you utilizing your team? How well are you helping them to help you solve your problem? Versus, I've got all the answers. Mm-hmm. That's that's old school thinking. <laughs> that's the fact that the the leader has to have all the answers. That that's gone. That's that does not exist anymore. That is not a requirement of a leader anymore. But we see it. I know. <laughs> we 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 see it, and there's still some companies that are operating that way. Yeah. And you kind of wonder, oh, hey, wait a minute. Um, I'm gonna get shot for this one. But uh, uh, leadership styles and things, Macy's department store just recently said they've been closing out 125 stores. I saw that, including their headquarters, I think, right? H- headquarters in Cincinnati. It's been yeah. a longstanding uh, building. And, and then you think about, okay, is that old style leadership? And then you go, okay, let's look at Kmart and Sears and GE yeah. and how maybe that thought process is what has driven them out of business versus that new leadership thought process, uh, uh, which is just the opposite. But as you well know, and you can attest to you just this doesn't come overnight. No. Well, you know, one, one of the things I tell leaders, and, and one of the most powerful things I think a leader can say is, I need help. Because <laughs> your team, they're waiting for you to ask. I know a lot of leaders will think, you know, I'm the leader. I have to have all the answers. I, I feel like I look weak if I ask for help. Think about this. The fact that you have a team is proof that you need help. Right. Because if you didn't need help, you wouldn't need a team. They're doing all the things you can't do. But they're waiting for you to say, I need your help. And I don't have all the answers. But think, you just described a leader being vulnerable. Yeah, it's, it's key. Don't pretend like you are this fantastic leader because your entire neat team knows that you're not. Right? Have you ever worked for a leader? They're pretending to have it all together and they know all what they're doing, but you know that they don't. Like, just admit it. Right. Just admit right. you don't, and we'll help you. But 
the fact that you're pretending like you have it all together and you know everything actually is is eroding your effectiveness as a leader. Exactly. But what's what's getting in the way? What's stopping that from happening for the person who thinks they know it all? Their ego. That's exactly right. <laughs> Their ego is so overdeveloped, it's eating itself. And, yeah. and I had a situation not too long ago in a course I was teaching, and the gentleman walked in and went, oh, it's that guy again. Oh, gosh. The, the I'm the smartest guy in the room, and nobody can say anything because I have all the right answers, and this all, all this information should appeal to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, how do you... And, and he's he manages a team, and I, I just sit there and go, I'm not sure. I wonder what the turnover rate of that team is. I know. Well, it, I tell you, it's higher than others that aren't acting like that. Well, right. But then we look, we look at these leaders out there, and, and they set the tone, they set the culture, but but the business doesn't grow. Yeah. How, how do we how do we get how do we get this new leadership style? To be more, it's getting better, but there's still that resistance. How do we get to become more mainstream? How do you get, how do you work with your clients to get them to change their mindset? Well, it, it's a, that's a real struggle in my business. It certainly is. Uh, it's very difficult, if not impossible, for me to be assigned someone to coach as a leader. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, actually, one of my first coaching clients I worked with um, at the nuclear plant mm-hmm. was with uh, this guy. He's, a, he's called the shift, the shift manager. Now, okay. when I think of shift manager, I think of when I worked at a grocery store. There was a night shift manager and a day shift manager. Yeah, That's not what we're talking about here. At a nuclear power plant, the shift manager, they are the ultimately responsible for everything that happens on the nuclear, at the nuclear plant while they're on shift, including the site vice president. They have to... Every, anything he says needs to be done He's accountable for it. So in other words, if something really bad happens in a nuclear plant, they're the ones going to prison. Okay. Oh. So this guy has been a shift manager for 30 years. And I will tell you, nuclear plants are scrutinized beyond belief. You would not believe. They have right. flavors of the day coming in all the time, trying to fix them and trying to... Well, so I had one of my early coaching sessions with this leader. And of course, he had an attitude. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, uh, maybe the second or third meeting with him. He said, Chris, I got to tell you, uh, first off, this one page plan thing, which we helped them put together with their leadership plan. He said, mm-hmm. that leadership plan, that's really good. I can see myself using that with my team. So that's a great tool. But this whole coaching thing, I think it's a waste of time. I think it's a waste of money. I really don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> it's one of those uh, kind of out of body experiences where I don't know where the words came from, but somehow these words came through me and came out. And what I said to him was, first off, thank you for sharing with me that you think this is a waste of time and money. I, I can appreciate that. And I'd rather know than to not know and bang my head up against the wall. Like, what the heck? Why am I not getting through? So right. I appreciate you being transparent with me and sharing with me. And I went further on to say, now, I'm being paid to be your consultant, to be your coach. Uh, what I'd like to suggest is that why don't we continue to meet? I'm going to share with you the same concepts and tools and ideas that I'm sharing with the other leaders I'm working with here so that when you go to a meeting, you're just not caught off guard. But I'm not going to expect you to do anything. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I'm not going to ask you to do any homework. I'm, not going to ask, I'm just going to give you all of the information I'm sharing with everyone else. 
But he looked back. He's like, well, it's hard to argue that against that one. I, I guess <laughs> let's try that. We'll try that for a while. He ended up being one of the very best leaders I ever coached because I, I, I disarmed him. Right. Right. And I said, he's an adult. I mean, he's seen every flavor of their day go through. I totally get right. it. Right. I can't, right. I can never make a leader do anything. All I can do is present to them some concepts or ideas or some suggestions and really, quite honestly, help them to discover the answers that are already inside them. Most of the time, the answers are right there. I just help them to discover on their own. And if they discover on their own, they're way more likely to actually do it. So, to go back to your original question, you know, I, I have a hard time when I get assigned to someone to work with as a coach. I have much more success if the leader recognizes they need help and they come to me for help. So that's where most of the leaders I work with are those who recognize that. So if, if someone does not want to get better as a leader, it's very hard. To, you cannot really force them to, except for to help them have that aha moment. Like, maybe I could get a little better. That's what I love about great leaders. I mean, some of the most fantastic leaders you know, they know they still can get better. Right. It's never over for them. So when you're working with these folks that want to become better leaders, is there a common thread that all of them are struggling with? That, <laughs> Yeah, no, no question. Um, it's actually um, the delegation and accountability one is, I think, what most leaders struggle with that's pretty consistent with just about every leader I work with. Uh, so I, I'm, I work with them and help them understand new ways to think about how to delegate. Uh, one of the things I share with them is what I call phases of delegation, uh, where when you're delegating something, you just don't throw it over the wall and expect them to do it. Uh, it all depends on the amount of trust they've earned with you. So it might be... I'm going to give you a very specific task. I need you to go do this. And this is exactly how you do it. Go do it right now. Like that's phase one, right? And right. it goes up through four phases. And ultimately, the ultimate in delegation is where it's now a full bona fide part of their job. And you barely even know what happens anymore. But there right. are steps to go through between this. So you have to decide at what level or what, what phase of delegation is appropriate for what you're asking them to do and then delegate at that phase. So I help leaders with understanding and thinking about delegation differently in ways they don't think of otherwise. Because most people don't get really an education in delegation, right? And how to do it effectively. Right. And what I hear most people say is, well, I can, I'm so good. I can get it done quicker and better and right. Uh, it's it's going to take me more, much more time to do this. And I'm going, well, yeah. But is this past that you, is it still in your job description? Or is it in that person's job description? Because then if it is in your job description and you're doing it, you can't complain for being there for 12, 13, 14 hours. That's you. Yeah. But it's, it's, there's some folks, and, and I, I know a few, uh, and I've recognized myself. I'm, I, I was one of the who, who love, have a little bit of a, they're control enthusiasts in certain parts of their, their business and certain parts of the leadership that I'm the only one who can do it when, you know what, I got to just let go. Yeah, you do. Yeah, was it Mark Victor Hansen, I think, said that he delegates absolutely everything he possibly can except for his genius. What he's <laughs> really saying there is that he's very clear about the, what are the things that only he can do and no one else can. And if there's anything that anyone else could possibly do, he delegates it. I love that. 
a lot, I, and as a, as a solopreneur uh, who's had this business now, this is my tenth year, and I've I've just now delegated some, and I'm doing I'm following your approach. I'm not just going do this. Yeah. Well, well, I know that I know there's going to be a six month curve for me and them, but I'm now starting to push stuff off that I I need to be focusing on that genius aspect of it and, and continue to work on my platform skills, continue to work on my craft, can, can invest more of my time into that versus the administrative side. But it, it does take time. But I've, I've noticed that, okay, all of a sudden this time starting to free up. All of a sudden more things are getting done. I just had to, what, is it the movie Frozen? Let go? Is that the song or something like that? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the unfortunate thing about delegation is, yes, you're right. It does take time. Uh, and it's it's not quick. As a matter of fact, it's going to take more time to delegate than it does to actually just do it. But as you were as you're saying, it's an investment that pays you dividends in the long run. So you just have to invest that upfront, knowing that it's going to pay dividends way way down the road. And it doesn't happen overnight. No. And it's it a yeah. I wish it did too. I wish I could put, uh, hit a switch and, and and it becomes even more challenging when you've got remote employees that you are trying to delegate to as well as lead which means you have to delegate right even more i mean it's it's even more important you're delegating this the most effective way possible yeah exactly uh cuz you empower the team you get you get more out of them in, uh, in the long run but there it takes it takes a while to build up trust and that's the key. How, uh, I, you know, I've worked for some really terrible leaders, and I've worked for some really great ones. And, and one of them you know, was to this day. Uh, I've learned more from. She had this little edge about her, but I, I loved it. And, and she called me a human being one day. And no leader ever called me a human being. Have you ever been called a human being by some of your old leaders? I was called an FTE one time. <laughs> More than one time, actually. Well, yeah, yeah. I, that, I, that, that's probably the ultimate insult. But I had made a pretty large mistake, and, and I thought she was going to like just chew me upside down the other, and, and she didn't until she asked me what's my solution. Oh. And, and I had none. Then oh. she did that. But when she was done, she said, look, Pete, I expect you're going to make mistakes because you're a human. Yeah. Well, I also expect you to come in here with a solution. I'll get you out of my office, mm-hmm. come back in an hour with, with, with a solution to the problem. Yeah. I share that in a lot of my presentations, and you wouldn't believe how many leaders, managers would go, no, I just take care of that. I, oh. I don't, I, they, they come in with their problems. They're going, it's just eating up your day. Well, back to what you're saying before, that's ego right there. Like I get to solve the problem. I get to be the firefighter that puts out the fire. And there's that feels really good. Uh, But it's not what is healthy for your team and your organization. As a matter of fact, when you're a leader, you hardly ever get credit when done right. If you're getting credit for being a leader, you're doing it wrong. Your team should be getting all the credit for all the great work that they do. Right. Exactly. And and I use this example. uh, I, I pulled up the article recently. NFL, the Arizona Cardinals were playing the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Game ends in overtime, tie, 
3-3. Both kickers missed field goals, missed game-winning field goals. And during the press conference, Bruce Arians, the coach of the Arizona Cardinals, just basically threw his kicker under the bus, said, we pay him to kick the ball. We He's supposed to kick the ball through the uprights, and you can hear the bus go, thump, 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 as he just... Pete Carroll said, I love my guy. Christopher's my guy. I love Christopher. He had a bad day. He'll do better next time, but I have my faith and trust in him. And two days later, Inc. Magazine and I think Fortune both came out with articles on that leadership style. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's, yeah. that's, a, powerful, that's a, a, pair, a, a powerful contrast between the two. Uh, I love that story. You got to tell that story every time. That's a really good one. It's a ha- aha moment. I will, I will send you the article. Uh, I did pull it, uh, save it to my Evernote, so I'll find it and send it to you. But it was. And, and I actually watched, watched the game. And then I heard about it, and I went, I went, wow, there's two different styles of leadership. And two days later, man, they, they were writing it up big time. So this is about three, four years ago. Yeah. Uh, but we see, that, we see that dichotomy in leadership. What's that kicker thinking on the Cardinals team the next time, next game? And when the pressure's oh. really on, what's he thinking? He, he better not miss it, but he's going to miss it because now he's overthinking it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I do, I do not want to hear the wrath of the coach here. But now he's spending all this cycle time and energy on not getting chewed out. Rather right. than, I'm just going to do my job and kick the ball. I'm going to do my very best right now, which is what the Seattle kicker is doing. I, I know my, my coach is behind me. He's going to support me no matter what. I'm just going to focus on doing my job and doing the very best. And I'm allowed to make a mistake. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to have a bad day. Uh, I, I don't. I should research this. I don't believe that kicker was with the Cardinals very much longer after that. I don't know if he made it through the end of the season, or they didn't pick him up uh, the next year. But I, I would please somebody else take me. <laughs> I'll take I know. Anybody, <laughs> anybody, but 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 the, but this team right now, and and leadership, it's like you said, it's it's not easy. But why do people think it is? Why do th- people think they can come to the, they can come to you for coaching and once you leave, oh, I've got all the, I, I've I've got it all. I, I could or come to a seminar. And like, oh no, I'm a leader. No, you're not. You, you're you're starting to become a leader. It's a lifelong uh, development. It's lifelong learning. Uh, and unfortunately, those who are really good leaders, like we said earlier, they make it look easy, but it's taken them maybe 20 years to make it look easy and natural. You just don't right. see what it took for them to get there. Most have learned through hard knocks. Exactly. Through a lot of hard knocks. And the other aspect of it is I don't believe people take the opportunity. I, I, I believe that not everyone wants to be a leader. Yeah, I also believe that there's people out there who do, but they don't look for the opportunities to learn early on. Yeah, in in, in volunteering, I, I learned a lot of my leadership style through volunteering through the uh, Ohio Society of CPAs. Mm-hmm. The uh, the CEO uh, Clark Price, who I mean, I learned more from that gentleman in leadership and, and, and than I have uh, in many other organizations. But I would volunteer for committees. I would chair committees. I, I would. I would put myself, and yes, I would fail, and I would screw up, but I learned. But I seeked out those other opportunities other than what's inside the building, and we're short-sighted ourselves in that training, that learning. Yeah, it's a great place to practice, right? Practice your leadership. 
Uh, you said another thing that not everybody wants to be a leader. And I, I, I hope people listening to this will hear that. It's okay not to decide not to be a leader. Not everybody's meant to be a leader. And it's perfectly fine and okay to decide, you know what, I'm not, gonna, I'm not just going to be in, in a leadership role. That it just does not like, get me excited. It's fantastic. You can still have a hugely successful career uh, without having to be a leader. So don't think that being a leader is equals being successful in your career. Right. And, and you brought something early on that, you know, we, we get these folks who are very competent in their job and they get promoted into leadership positions and they fail. Two years ago, there was an article in Harvard Business Review, your high performing people don't make the best leaders or something along that title. And they talked about these highly technical individuals, these very competent, but they don't want to become leaders. They don't want to manage people. They don't like talking to people. They they just want to do their job. But when we shove them in those roles, they fail and then they have to leave. And that knowledge and is, oh. is walking out the door. Find a way to keep them. Yeah. Find a way to keep these people in your business. Make them happy. Create new job titles for them. Yeah. Um, Embrace them. Love them. <laughs> love them for their, for their technical and, and, and their, their knowledge, but just recognize not everyone's a leader. Don't try to keep putting that square peg in a round hole. So true. So uh, you're a member of the National Speakers Association. You're in the Virginia chapter. Yeah. Uh, how, long, how long have you been a member? Professional you know, member? I just joined this past summer, actually. Um, over the past probably two years or so, my, the speaking part of my business has really grown, actually without me trying very much. Uh, so then I realized uh, maybe I should put a little more effort into this whole speaking thing because obviously I've got a lot of people asking me to speak. So uh, I just I put that on the back burner for so long as I was trying to build my business. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when everybody's coming to me asking me to speak, that's, that was my message saying, Chris, it's time to make that a bigger part of your of your business now. So yeah, I just joined this past summer, actually. It's a great group. So you've just joined and you're a professional member of NSA and the Virginia chapter and Mary Foley. Oh, love I, Mary I would have Foley. To tell, I love her to death, but I have to give her a call because, well, maybe, let me ask this question. Are you now on the board? <laughs> I am not. Uh, I believe she's looking for board members at the moment, actually. There's time to uh, fill those gaps. I, I actually saw a video from her recently. <laughs> it's, it's funny because, I mean, I, when I joined the Ohio chapter, they, they caught wind of my experience uh, being on the board from the Ohio Society of CPAs and so on and so forth that, you know, we have a new member. Oh, and he's our new board member, too. <laughs> That's a way to get a board member right there. <laughs> exactly, and actually, a couple couple chapter meetings ago, someone said, "Yeah, we have some new members." I stood up and said, "Hey, welcome to the board!" And everybody started laughing, and they had this look of terror on their face. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. but I tell you, leadership in NSA does create or develop new leadership skills. I, I immediate past president of our chapter. I've I've learned a lot added stuff that I didn't have there before through that process of, of spending time as, as the president. And, and Mary has doubled that by spending two years in the role as president. Yeah. She's going to go off in, in, into the sunset here coming up and probably sit on her porch and just sip some nice <laughs> red wine. 
I tell you, yeah, I'm sure it's some red wine for sure. <laughs> See, uh, she's so she's so amazing. Seriously, I don't know if there's anyone better um, in that role as president right now for where the chapter is at the moment. She's just truly. I I'm such a big fan of Mary Foley. She's just a, a terrific uh, person, and she's doing a great job for this chapter. And she'd just be a little more enthusiastic, don't you think? Oh, I know. <laughs> she may explode, actually, if that were to happen. <laughs> right, yeah. Mary's got a, Mary has a ton of energy. Love her energy, love her passion. And she epitomizes what a true leader can be and to your world, an authentic leader, because everything about her is extremely authentic. She is. You know, I've had her on my podcast as well. Uh, since we've talked about her, we should probably tell people how to reach her because there, there's enough interest, I'm sure, People, I think it's maryfoley.com, if that's okay to plug someone that's not on this. Absolutely. Her email is mary at maryfoley.com. Website's maryfoley.com. She's a wonderful leader, uh, high energy. I've known her now for two or three years and, and have a question sometimes, call her up, send her an email. I mean, she's all over it. She, she's wonderful. And now she's going to have to buy us cocktails at Influence <laughs> because we've really helped you know, increase her brand out there. <laughs> <laughs> she has my favorite website when you first come with the very first picture that shows up of her. And I won't say any more about it um, so that we can tease people to go check out her website. Uh, the picture she has on there is so 100% Mary Foley. And you'll get what I mean when you look at it. Yes. Yes, you will. And, and, and I, as soon as you said that, I, I had the picture of her homepage. It's very powerful. I absolutely love it. Now, we cannot we cannot end this without you plugging your website, your business. How can folks get in contact with you? Yeah, the best way to reach me is, uh, is ChristopherRJones.com. We talked before how there are a lot of Chris Joneses in this world. So the best way to be unique is I'm ChristopherRJones.com. Uh, also, I live uh, a lot on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is a fantastic way to reach me. I do uh, I post a lot of things on LinkedIn. I do a lot of commenting on there. So uh, I, I would definitely encourage people to check out my LinkedIn page. Um, and then try to think even what probably in the show notes page you'll have a link to it. I think yes. it's something like I am Christopher Jones or something. I can't remember exactly what the name is. Um, but additionally, um, I use Instagram, and Instagram is kind of a behind the scenes of Chris Jones. Uh, I post on stories there. And it's typically not necessarily where um, my clients um, see, but if you want to kind of see what's Chris doing day to day and what's some of the weird stuff that he does and where, where is he right now, uh, the Instagram stories I've been posting on there uh, pretty frequently. Oh, cool. Uh, I, I, I follow you on uh, social media. I didn't realize you're on Instagram. I will connect with you there as well. So as a parting word or parting piece of advice to the audience, what would you tell them on this topic of leadership? I should be better prepared for this question. I think it's just so important that people do a, a self-evaluation and, and just check yourself. Unfortunately, we talked about this earlier, that those who have a strong ego in their leadership don't realize or want to admit that they have strong ego. Uh, but those leaders who feel like that they uh, aren't as good as they can be and need to be better. I mean, those are humble leaders and those are the leaders who are gonna be even better leaders in the future. My strong encouragement is to just be recognized as the kind of leader that your team would follow you anywhere. They, they, would, they would do anything you ask for and it's because, um, like I mentioned before, that you would do anything 
that you're asking them to do. And if your team is following you because they want to, it has nothing to do with your title. You're, you're a very effective leader. And with that, we'll call it an end. Thank you sir, very much, Chris, for taking time. I've enjoyed our conversation. I look forward to crossing paths with you soon. Me too. You're a fantastic interviewer. Thank you, Peter. I would like to thank Chris for taking time to share what it takes to be an authentic leader. Now that you know what an authentic leader is, what changes in your mindset do you need to employ so that you can become an authentic leader? Something to ponder until the next time you listen to my podcast. Thank you again for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please take a moment and leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform you download your podcast from. Also, please subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Make today and every day your best day. Like what you just heard? Visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.